there, welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. Uh, this is the second recording I'm, I'm going to do this week because uh, I won't have my normal schedule in the month of August. At least it'd be good to get, you know, one more thing uh, recorded. Um, I recently recorded my 100th uh, uh, solo podcast. Uh, that was my last uh, one I posted yesterday. Uh, today is actually August, I want to say August 4th, I think. Yeah, today's August 4th. Uh, it's when, uh, sorry, it's a Friday afternoon. I don't usually record these things on Friday. Um, like I said, my schedule is different in August, and so I'm taking the, uh, taking the opportunity to go ahead and record another podcast for you today. Um... Uh, so, yeah, the last podcast, the 100th, uh, what was that about? <laughs> it was two days ago. Uh, I believe it was on hell uh, and the nature uh, of, of hell and how uh, we have allowed over time um, the truth of hell to be distorted uh, by extra-biblical sources and... Uh, by our own imaginations, uh, by our preconceived human institutions of uh, crime and punishment, for example, uh, and uh, instead of allowing Jesus to to explain the truth of uh, the nature of whatever you want to call it, hell, Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, right? Um, and so that's what I attempted to do in the last podcast to get us thinking toward a more Jesus-like understanding uh, of what happens to um, those who do not come to know Jesus in this life in the life to come. And we talked about how the word uh, ainos and also aineos uh, is a Greek word meaning of the age to come, or otherworldly, right? Uh, there is some uh, room uh, for a nuance of translation there. But that it doesn't mean for all time, forever, or eternity, uh, or uh, infinity, for example. Um, but it means uh, that something's nature is sharing the nature of the world or the age to come. And we talked about this last night in our gathering because we were in John chapter 3 toward the end, uh, 3.16, basically 3, we may have read 3.15 to the end, uh, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And then and then John records kind of a, a lengthy uh, monologue of Jesus, whether it was directed at Nicodemus at that time or not. I really don't know the, the historical setting exactly because the Bible's a little bit, or John is a little bit um, vague there, but it seems as if that, uh, that you know, from uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, from that point all the way through the end, uh, I believe it's like verse 21 or something like that, um, was directed at Nicodemus, and there's some really interesting things that came out of our talk last night, and actually the week before, we've had kind of two weeks on these 
uh, 21 verses. It's a, it's a pretty deep and interesting, um, theologically speaking, a very interesting passage. <clears throat> so I'm just going to recap the story of Nicodemus and see if anything else uh, comes out perhaps uh, or is revealed today as I'm uh, thinking through that. Uh, that maybe I didn't think of before. So Nicodemus, who is a leader of the Pharisees, he comes to Jesus by night. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, he calls Jesus rabbi, which I think is very interesting. So number one, uh, remember that he came by night and that he calls, he, a leader and a teacher of the Jews, Jesus later calls him a teacher of the Jews, uh, toward the middle of this passage, <clears throat> he calls Jesus rabbi, which means teacher. So he shows respect to Jesus by calling him rabbi. And he's there to to talk to Jesus about theological things. And Jesus tells him, unless, uh, unless a man be born again, he cannot uh, see the kingdom of heaven. And of course, Nicodemus not realizing that Jesus is being metaphorical, he says, you know, how, how can this be? How can a, can a man enter into his mother's womb again? And Jesus says, you know, truly I tell you, unless a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so we have, cannot see the kingdom of God unless he's born again, uh, cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of the water of the Spirit, and so Jesus is, is using metaphors, trying to lead Nicodemus, I think, into greater understanding. Or maybe he's trying to confuse Nicodemus at first so that Nicodemus will uh, soften up a bit, relinquish, um, um, maybe even be humbled at his lack of understanding of what Jesus is saying. I don't know. Uh and then, and then in the, of course, in the chapter, uh, Jesus, Jesus talks a little bit more uh, directly. He says to Nicodemus, he says, how can you, a, a, a teacher, right, a teacher of the Jews, uh, if you don't understand these, how, these things, how are, you know, how, how are you going to tell other people about them? How can you teach people about the things of God? if you, a teacher of the Jews, don't even understand them. So I think in a sense he is trying to uh, humble Nicodemus to a point where Nicodemus will soften up a bit and realize there's something to learn there. I, I don't know exactly uh, what Jesus' technique is. Uh, but he's he's patient with Nicodemus, but at the same time he's, he's once in a while quite direct with him. Right? He doesn't really pull any punches with Nicodemus as um, that's the way he treated all Pharisees when he talked to them. He didn't really uh, pull punches with people who were considered to be teachers or called teachers and whom he thought were uh, not teaching the correct uh, ideas about God and the nature of God. Um, and so yeah, so he's trying to teach Nicodemus about the nature of the kingdom of God. Uh, and and then we get into the very important and very famous John 3.16 area, 
where, where he says, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is everlasting life uh, to believe in the one God sent, I believe is what that passage says. You know what, I'm gonna do what I don't usually do here. <laughs> scripture a little better my next stop sign um, see if I can make a few other uh, better points about it but <clears throat> a couple things I wanted to notice is that here Jesus's quote is, a, is saying that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son at this point Jesus is not is not uh, directly calling himself God to Nicodemus. He, he could have easily said, for I so loved the world that I gave up myself. Right? That's what he could have said. But he used the father and son language. For, for God so loved the world that he gave up his one and only son. Uh, and so there's a couple things that interest me in this. And First of all, it says God so loved the world. Right? The world uh, I now take to mean the entire world. The physical aspects of it, the spiritual aspects of it, the human aspects of it, the non-human aspects of it, the entire entire world. God loves the entire world. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's significant. Um, I think if we realize that God loves this world uh, that he made and said was good, even though it became corrupted, uh, I think it's think it's uh, an important thing for us to realize because it, it will help us, I believe, treat the world itself, the physical earth, with better respect uh, um, and with the, the kind of love that, that God has shown for it, which I think is a good thing. Dude, go. Come on. You're making everybody wait. Um, so... Um, that's one thing. I, I think it could have said God so loved man. God so loved the human race. It could have said God so loved uh, the Hebrew nation. Uh, God so loved Israel. Um, it could have said those things, but it doesn't. It says God so loved the world. Right? So we have this weird dichotomy that comes in where... We're told that God loves the world, but we're told in other places, love not the world. <laughs> uh, maybe that's that's a, a, a topic for another time. Uh, but that's one thing. So, And then the other one is that whoever believes in him will not perish, perish but have eternal life. So when I was talking about the word eternal before, and... Uh, it's often mistranslated as meaning forever or eternal. Ainos, uh, um, despite popular belief, doesn't mean an indefinite eternal time period. It doesn't mean forever. Uh, it means of the other world. And so by believing in Jesus, we get to take part of the life that is of the age to come or uh, of uh, otherworldly life. In other words, life 
uh, heavenly life or he uh, life from the spiritual world. Um, and yes, it, it, I, I, I think it, that does mean that it will last forever. I think that life is eternal. Uh, but the reason it's important to note that that Ainos does not necessarily mean eternal is because other places, uh, when we talk about Ainos discipline, right? Discipline that is of the age to come or discipline, discipline uh, from the other world, often that's translated as eternal punishment, right? Punishment that will last forever, which segues into eternal conscious torment uh, and in that case, that translation becomes incredibly important, right? Because if that if that has been mistranslated all these years, uh, then somebody needs to fix that. We need to stop teaching that. Uh, that's crazy. So, uh, as we were reading uh, this passage last night, of course we came to John 3.16 and up uh, and and um, it was good to be able to talk about the true meaning of Ainos or Ainios um, two forms of the same word I'm not sure which is used there uh, but the fact that it means from the other world or otherworldly um, uh, and so that's what we talked about yesterday in, in relation to that passage uh, and then, and then I noted that at the end, um, Jesus's last little section of this talk, uh, Jesus, I'm going to have to paraphrase this, obviously. Uh, Jesus says, um, yeah, I finally got the scripture in front of me. Uh, Jesus says, uh, the light came into the world, but men liked the darkness more. And they liked the darkness because they were able to hide their sins in the darkness, but the light exposes sin. And, and this light and dark uh, talk helped me realize that the very chapter of Nicodemus, chapter 3, begins with Nicodemus visited Jesus' night. He's going to the light, but he's going to the light by cover of darkness and anonymity. He doesn't want to be recognized. Okay, he, he's, he's, he's afraid for his position or his reputation. Uh, and he knows what the, the Pharisees are capable of. He, capable of. he may be uh, fearful of his, you know, for his life. I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah, from verse, I believe it's verse 20, for everyone, uh, this is American Standard Version, sorry, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light and cometh not to the light, lest his work should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh, cometh to the light, that his works may be made manifest, that they have been wrought in God. Uh, I'm going to switch this translation real quick. Uh, I'm sure no reason is needed. <laughs> uh, let's do ESV here. 
everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Okay, And to me, I, th I think Jesus accepts Nicodemus where he is, but he doesn't want to miss the opportunity to help Nicodemus go further, to progress in his faith. And so he tells them, tells Nicodemus that your, your inclination to come here at night stems from the fact that you don't want your sins to be exposed, right? You, you don't yet have a full faith in me, okay? Had you have had full faith in me, you would have come to me and shown me respect in the light, right, in the daytime. Uh, and perhaps I'm reading too much into this. I don't think so. I think that's completely plausible uh, that that could be the case. <clears throat> Doesn't seem to be far-fetched to me. Uh, and so I, I think it's a little bit of a jab to Nicodemus saying, hey, you know, um, you know, I appreciate you coming, but, you know, the manner in which you came, uh, it tells me a lot about you, Nicodemus. It tells, it tells me where you're at, where you're, you know, what you worry about. And I, I like to think that Nicodemus understood that because later, uh, in the story of Nicodemus, and we have two other passages where Nicodemus makes an appearance, uh, he, uh, Reborn of the water, 
you cannot go to heaven, right? Now, if you've listened to my podcast, you understand that my idea of heaven uh, is perhaps a little bit different from the uh, standard evangelical uh, lay understanding of, of what happens in the end of times. Uh, but I don't think Jesus here is talking about, first of all, he's not talking about the end of times. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the, the, the space uh, in which Jesus' authority will be obeyed, uh, will be revered. Uh, in any space where Jesus is revered, where his authority uh, is adhered to, becomes the kingdom of God. Um, and I think that's what Jesus ushered onto the earth when he came here in the first place. He was bringing the kingdom. In, in other words, the lordship of God was returning to his people. Uh, the presence of God, the Shekinah, uh, the, the manifest presence of God returned to the earth in the form of Jesus, and it remains in the earth up till today uh, in the Holy Spirit who indwells the temple of God, otherwise known as the church. And I think uh, the kingdom of God continues on the earth today. Um, there are places on the earth that are not, have not fallen into, have not, have not, um, what's the word? Uh, still refuse to accept God's authority. There, there are realms and uh, places and people who don't, uh, have not accepted the authority of God on the earth. And I don't think the kingdom of God is there. I still think the kingdom of God is where the manifest presence of the Spirit is. Uh, and so I, th I think the, the church generally I don't limit it to the church, but I think the church is generally the kingdom of God. But I think the kingdom of God shows up in some very exciting and surprising places as well. Uh, and that's any, any place love is, any place that you see sacrificial love, I think you could also say that if people are following, um, even without their knowledge, following... Uh, the way of Jesus, then, then I would say that the kingdom of God can be said to be there in that place as well, um, which is, I think, very interesting. Uh, and the other thing is, I don't think born of the born of the water and of the Spirit uh, necessarily uh, means baptism or conversion. Uh, I think I think born of water could mean baptism. Uh, but I also think born of water could mean uh, your first birth. Uh, we, what, what happens uh, when birth, when labor begins, uh, a woman's water breaks, we say. Uh, we as infant, or sorry, as, uh, how old is the word, not infant, fetuses, uh, still inside our mother's womb, we are in in a, a water-like substance. This is ambiotic fluid, but it's a water-like substance. Uh, and so when we're born, a lot of water uh, is present in that process. A water-like substance.
like substance. Uh, and uh, born of the spirit, I think, very likely could have to do with your conversion, your second birth. Uh, and at what point do you become born of the spirit? Uh, I think that's the point uh, when you uh, repent of your self-serving sinful life and start living uh, toward God, when you, when you turn toward Him, when you start uh, to submit your life under His loving authority, uh, I think at that point you have been reborn of the Spirit. Um, and we're still kind of a uh, split person at that point. We have a spiritual aspect and we have a physical aspect. Um, we don't we don't suddenly just lose our bodies. Our bodies don't um, all at once fall in line with our spirit, right? Uh, Jesus kind of refers to this when he says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak, right? Um, I think when our bodies work in conjunction with the spirit, I think that's when the best things happen. Um, but regardless, until we receive our new glorified bodies, we there is there is a struggle that goes on between the two. I believe, uh, and I think it can get better and better, uh, but it exists nonetheless. Uh, and yeah, so the story of Nicodemus—it's an interesting one. It's a great passage. There's a lot in the beginning of chapter three. Uh, the latter part of chapter 3 talks about John the Baptist. Uh, that's good stuff too, I'm sure, but uh, I'm just talking about through verse, I want to say 21, I think. Um, one interesting thing Jesus says about the Spirit uh, that I always found interesting, He's, he, he says it's sort of like the wind, right, which we know is true. Uh, because the, the word for spirit is also the word for wind, I believe, in Hebrew and or Greek. But he says, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. In other words, explaining how somebody is born of the Spirit is a difficult thing, right? It's as difficult as trying to understand uh, where the wind comes from and where it goes. It's not, it's not an easy thing to, to comprehend. And Jesus, you know, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus says, uh, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and hear. Oh, sorry. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. Uh, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you these earthly things and you do not believe, how then can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Okay. So, yeah. Uh, read the passage for yourself. It's a it's a great passage. There's some a lot of good stuff there. Um, Nicodemus.
Nicodemus. Yeah, I'm going to have to leave it there. I'm going to scarf down some lunch real quick and get to my class. And uh, you guys uh, stay cool this summer. Talk at you later.